Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may be unsuitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily's The Sidebar. This is a brand new podcast where we will take a behind the scenes look at the courtroom and break down some of your favorite trials. I'm your host, Joshua Ritter, currently a criminal defense attorney based here in Los Angeles. And previously, I was a prosecutor with the L.A. District Attorney's Office for close to a decade. Today, we are covering a case that has been circulating headlines for 13 years. You guessed it, the Britney Spears conservatorship. Joining me today is Dr. Charles Sophie. He was a 25-year medical director for the Los Angeles County Department of Child and Family Services, where he's responsible for directing the physical health, mental health, and well-being of more than 40,000 foster care children. Dr. Sophie also has a private practice in Beverly Hills. Welcome, Dr. Sophie, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get into the background of Britney Spears' case and all the sordid details that has led us to where we are here today, um, Dr. Sophie, can you help us understand what exactly a conservatorship is? A conservatorship is a court order that is sought out by someone, family member, someone concerned for another party who isn't able to really function in a way that they used to. And there are two types of court-ordered conservatorships, a general one and a limited one. General one is for an adult who really has issues secondarily to a mental health issue or a medical illness, and they're not able to perform the way that they would, making decisions about their money, you know, all kinds of things, entering contracts, marriages, all kinds of stuff. And then a limited one is more for an adult who has developmental disabilities, mental retardation, autistic spectrum disorders that are severe, things that interfere from a developmental standpoint from their daily function. Okay. And have you dealt with both kinds? Yes, many times. What is your involvement in these types of conservatorships? Like how, how is it that you play a role? Well, the role of a psychiatrist or any mental health professional has to be an evaluation done as part of this court process. So if someone is seeking a conservatorship on someone, then that person will put a petition into the court through a lawyer. And then part of that process is to get an evaluation by a medical professional, preferably a mental health one, especially when it's a mental health problem. And then my role will be to do that psychiatric evaluation to see if someone is that they are competent or they're not competent to perform the activities of daily living, making decisions and that kind of stuff. And that's really the, the, the fascinating and kind of crux question is, 
what what is that standard? In other words, what are you looking for when you're evaluating someone to decide? Because we're talking about something huge and fundamental. I mean, we're taking away this person's right to make decisions about their own health, decisions about their their financial affairs. What is it? What are you trying to evaluate when come, arriving at that kind of a serious of an evaluation? Well, I mean, that's a great point because you are taking away someone's civil rights and this is a free country and it has to be something that's done with a lot of attention and a lot of understanding. So we're looking in that evaluation for um, someone's judgment. You're assessing their judgment, their judgment and their ability to make a decision. And do they make decisions properly? And is the thought process linear or is it not? And is it disorganized? So you're looking at their thinking, their speaking, their judgment, their insight. Insight means do they know what's really going on with them and do they see the deficit that we all see and why we're seeking out the conservatorship in the first place? The reality testing, are they in reality? Do they know the date, the time, where they were born, their name, all that kind of stuff? You're also looking at the way that they function. Are they hallucinating? Are they not? Are they a substance abuser? What is the impact of the medical or mental health problem that is creating this need? So all of those pieces are different pieces that put a puzzle together to see if someone is competent or not. Wow. And as we're going to find out when we start to analyze the Britney Spears case, um, I'm sure not all of those questions are so easily answered. And um, sometimes I imagine you're evaluating someone and just because people happen to make poor decisions or happen to make decisions that we might not agree with doesn't necessarily mean that that person is not competent for the purposes of a conservatorship, correct? Correct. But also remember, somebody could be presenting incompetent in that moment or making poor decisions or judgment. But after they get medical treatment and they resolve and their brain chemistry goes back to the way it was or should be, they are able then to have their solid judgment and insight and impulse control and all that stuff. So who they are today may be different than who they are in a couple of weeks after medication. Wow. It's important to make sure that that timeline is, tr is tracked as well. Absolutely. Um, another thing uh, to understand from a legal point of view is that um, we're talking, there are different conservatorships as far as what the conservator would control, right? So there's a conservator of the person who would uh, uh, be watching over someone who's unable to provide for their own kind of care, their, their own personal needs, health, food, clothing, shelter. And there's also a conservator of the estate, correct? Someone who um, is unable to handle substantially their own financial affairs. And we're not talking about folks who can't balance a checkbook, but we're talking about folks who might be un, uh, unusually susceptible for fraud and undue influence, right? Correct. But we are also talking about people who can't balance a checkbook, maybe. It's that simple. Those are basic wow. things also. Wow. And so it depends. But there is a laundry list of things that someone seeking out a conservatorship would check off to see if the court will give them a power. Incredible. Okay. Well, not that we uh, need much of an introduction for Mrs. Spears, but just to give us a bit of a background so we know how we arrived at where we're at today. Britney Spears has been, really been in the public eye for nearly all of her life, starting at the incredibly young age of 11. She started on the Mickey Mouse Club, and it was really the 1998 de debut of her single Baby One More Time that launched her career into the household name that it is today. The shocking thing about that is she was only 16 years old at the time. So now fast forwarding uh, several years and a whole career later, in 2004, she famously marries dancer Kevin Federline. They're married within six months of meeting. 2005, she has her first son. 2006, her second son. 
And yet by November of that same year, 2006, things appear to have soured and Brittany has filed for divorce from Kevin. And the tabloids go wild. Brittany becomes a huge target. In February of 2007, Brittany started acting reportedly erratically. And infamously, we know these stories about her shaving her hair off at a salon. We know about the attack on a paparazzo with an umbrella. Both um, were triggered by events dealing with custody and care of her children. And rumors begin to swirl that she's suffering a mental breakdown. Perhaps it's postpartum depression. And Dr. Sophie, um, I, I guess the first question I've had is, do you have experience with kind of these sudden onsets of erratic behavior and it, it, you know, does postpartum play a role in that? Have you ever experienced someone who appears to be living their life normally and all of a sudden within a matter of months has a breakdown? Absolutely. And it could be from various different sources. It could be some substance abuse. It could be just a plain old mental health breakdown. It could be a postpartum depression. It could be a medical illness that secondarily proceed and, and masquerades as a mental health problem or vice versa. Many times there are mental health presentations, but it's a medical problem. So I've seen it in many different forms, but yes, it doesn't take long for something like that to surface. Yeah. And it's unfortunate for her that this all happened to be under the lens of the right. paparazzi and the media and everyone else. And well, right. later that same year, a judge decides that Brittany has engaged in habitual and frequent use of controlled substances of alcohol. She loses primary custody of her children. And uh, she, in, in the, again in 2008, and this is where things, Dr. Sophie, really start to take a turn. She's placed on what are, is called a 5150 hold. Uh, she's put into a psychiatric hospital for a mental health evaluation. First of all, to help people understand, what is a 5150 hold? A 5150 hold is a psychiatric hold done in, by a psychiatrist. It takes two psychiatrists to have two different opinions to agree that this person who is presenting in a dangerous way is a danger to themselves or others or that they are gravely disabled. And gravely disabled means they're not able to care for themselves and to take the daily activities of living like shower, bathe, eat, if they're a parent, take care of their children, because and they still have access to those things and they still can't provide it for themselves or their children. So they're either a danger to themselves, others are gravely disabled. If they meet that one of those three criteria or any of the three, then they're put on a 72 hour hold in a psychiatric unit for observation and cannot leave at all until that 72 hours is up. And then another reevaluation takes place. And, and, and you really hit on a point there from a legal perspective is they're detained. I mean, they, they, this right. is not a choice that they have. This is right. in, in, in Brittany's first uh, instance of her experiencing her freedoms being taken away. This is she hasn't committed a crime at this point. No one's alleging that it's that you for whatever kind of mental issues you're dealing with, we have decided for your own safety and the safety of others to remove your freedom from you. Right. And to place you under observation because you're a danger right. of some sort. Right. But see, here's the sad, the sad catch 22 for her. She's doing well. She's 16. She has all that fame, money, all that attention, pressure, right. stress. And if you have any kind of weakness in your mental health status, that's going to push you because stress is the biggest driver. So then she starts to medicate with alcohol or drugs, and that just makes it even worse. And then she behaves in a manner that gets her locked up. And right. that's the start of a label for her that now she has mental health problems. Right, right. That's a good point. 
And that's it's, a bad stigma and a difficult stigma, excuse me, to be able to, un, to get off of. Absolutely. It becomes a narrative and it's picked up right. by the media right. and everyone else. Right. And then all of a sudden, that's just the assumption when this right. could be like you point out someone dealing with this incredible stresses of a young woman with, right. you know, putting on a music career and, and, and being under the scrutiny of media and every in the spotlight and everything else. Right. Right. Um, well, then later on, she receives a second 5150 hold. And at that point, her father, Jamie Spears, petitions the L.A. Superior Court which, for what's called an emergency temporary conservatorship. Her uh, uh, Kevin, the husband, is granted sole custody of the children. And by the end of 2008, the conservatorship is made permanent. She was just 27 years old at the time. Um, again, First of all, do you understand or can you help us understand the difference, why this would turn from temporary to permanent? Well, temporary is obviously because there is an emergent need that she's got, you know, she has no control. She's now locked in a psychiatric unit for observation. She's deemed a danger to herself. Others are gravely disabled. So somebody has to take over her care. She's the parent of some children. So the other parent takes over, but now somebody has to take over her care. And that's what Jamie stepped up to do to get it temporarily done to see if she stabilizes either within those 72 hours or within a short amount of time so that they don't have to renew it or make it a permanent one. But I guess at that time, she didn't clear enough or stabilize enough and it became a permanent one. And folks do stabilize, right? I mean, they do, like Absolutely. you said, it could be uh, a temporary, perhaps chemical imbalance or something right. that's addressed through medication and they're able to stabilize, but for whatever reason, and unfortunately, we don't have access to all the court documents here to understand that and the medical records, but for whoever made the evaluation, it's decided she's to be put under a permanent conservatorship, which is something that now lasts until it's terminated. Right. Usually they last a year and they have to be renewed. And I think it was renewed often because she's Incredible. still kind of meeting the criteria. Incredible. And this is where uh, I think folks who follow the story, people who don't understand the medicine and the legal aspects behind it, but they really begin to sink their teeth into when they understand what kind of oversight she was under. Um, Jamie, her father, was given essentially power over almost every aspect of her life. He's able to negotiate business deals. He can restrict who she sees. He can oversee every purchase she makes. Um, However, uh, there are reports that, and this is where things, you know, start to uh, play into the role of conspiracy theories and ever, everything else, that according to Jacqueline uh, Butcher, who was a friend of the Spears family and present in court on the day the uh, conservatorship was created, she said that the whole process, the process of getting the conservatorship was maybe 10 minutes. No one testifies and no questions were asked. Now, if that's true, in your experience, is that extraordinary? Right. It is extraordinary. And it's also not fair and it's not right because yeah. there should be many people who are weighing in, including the psychiatrist who has done regular, supposed regular evaluations of her to see if the medication she's on is the right medicine or not. You know, they can't just be listening to what the caretaker says about the person. They have to evaluate the actual patient themselves. Yeah. So I, they should have been testifying. I, I personally found this to be remarkable, and I, I, I don't have personal experience with conservatorships or setting them up. That's a very niche aspect of the law. But just has having been a prosecutor and dealing with courts where you're taking away somebody's rights and taking away somebody's freedom, there's a tremendous amount of due process that goes in that. And 
you're going to have hearings and testimony and cross-examine and everything else because of how grave a decision is about to be made. So if true, I find that to be, like you said, very disturbing and remarkable that it would all seem to be done behind closed doors with very little evidence presented. Right. Now, I'm sure um, maybe that maybe that doctor put in a declaration of some sort or an evaluation, but still that person should have been there to answer questions. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, for somebody like Brittany, with the media and all that attention, people just assume in their head what's going on from the judge to anybody. And they don't think they need to ask questions because they already know from what they're seeing. But that's not accurate. And it's not that, the information you should go on. That narrative that you discussed right. is, is right. already something that she's working against. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and here's some stuff that also gives you pause to wonder if this was an ill-conceived conservatorship or not. Apparently, less than two months after that second 5150 hold, she makes a guest appearance on the show How I Met Your Mother while still under this conservatorship. The same year, 2008, after having been stripped of all of these rights, the decision to you know, choose the kind of toothpaste she's going to use. She records her first fifth album, Pardon Me, Circus, which came in out in November of 2008. And listen to this. She dropped an album. I wasn't aware of this. Every two to three years since the conception of that conservatorship and has had a four-year Las Vegas reg- residency. I'm not asking you, doctor, to kind of reevaluate the, what folks have done before now and in regards to Ms. Spears, but do, in your experience, there's someone who's under the incredible restrictions of a conservatorship, would it be abnormal or extraordinary to, for them to be operating at such a high level? I've treated a lot of celebrities that perform or are this ill or whatever under conservatorship. No, if you can drop an album and you can perform and you can work, something's not meshing with the need for a conservatorship. Again, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but that just seems so common sense and true. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about that, you explained on the onset here that it's somebody who can't care for themselves, somebody who right. can't make a decision we, about lunch. They can't even decide what lunch they want sometimes. Right. And here you have a person performing shows nightly right. and a person right. recording an album. It just does not jive. Right. And handling um, all that anxiety and stress to be in front of an audience. Yeah. The, the, most folks can't handle, right. <laughs> let right. alone somebody who's apparently been deemed to be right. too incompetent to even handle her own affairs. Right. And somebody um, may say, well, we medicated her so she could do it. There's not enough medicine to make somebody be able to stand up and perform and handle all that stress and not have a problem. They're either going to collapse from all the medicine or they're going to not be able to perform. Interesting. Point. She was performing. And if you're under such psychiatric and mental care that you're, you're medicated, it doesn't seem like it would be part of a, a, a healthy regime for you to then also be performing in under such high stress conditions. Correct. It's an oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's another aspect of this that I found to be troubling. Um, in 2015, she extends the Las Vegas residency and the deal is worth $35 million. That's not the part that bothered me. The part that I found troubling was that her father, Jamie, who had been granted a one and a half percent gross of the gross revenues for her performances and merchandising as part of the conservatorship. Now, I don't have a great problem with the idea that maybe conservators can somehow be compensated for the work and care that they're putting into it. 
but one and a half percent of $35 million seems to me like we're getting into the point of creating a, a conflict of interest here uh, for the conservator. Have sure. you ever run into something like that? Sure, absolutely. That shows the motive behind the conservatorship at some point. Because yeah. The highest salary I've ever seen a conservator pay was maybe 100000 Really? The average is anywhere between 30000 30,000, 70,000 a year. Wow. And we're talking exponentially more than that. Well, he should be getting a salary for it, not part of her proceeds from her work. That's the part that, that, that I wanted to make a point of too. And I'm glad that right. you, you pointed that is that now he's tied to her earnings. So the more right. she works, the more business deals she cuts, the more performances she does, the, the greater his earnings. Again, right. the, it, it doesn't take a law school degree to see the conflict of interest here. Right, right. Meanwhile, under a conservatorship saying and implying she can't function. Right, right. Um, so now we start to see overtly uh, in 2016, um, Brittany uh, being unhappy for the first time. Not that she wasn't before now, but she's starting to make comments about how she's unhappy with it. And apparently she told a probate court investigator that the conservatorship had become a, quote, oppressive and controlling tool against her, that it was too much control, and that she was sick of being taken advantage of. Um, in 2019, she cancels her, her residency in Vegas and takes a work hiatus. In September of 2019, Jamie, the father, steps down as conservator of her as the individual, but maintains his conservatorship over her estate. Uh, this apparently after an altercation that he had with one of her sons uh, that led to Kevin, the father of the child, uh, getting a restraining order against the father. And um, that same year, Brittany goes to court and said that she is being felt felt that she was uh, forced into the conservatorship to, or, or forced by the conservatorship, rather, to stay at a mental health facility. And here's the real kicker and forced by the conservatorship to perform against her will. Troubling, yes? Very troubling, yes. And I'm sure they presented it to her as, if you show us you can do it, you'll get out from under it. Yeah. I mean, at that point, we're talking, you know, some sort of indentured servitude. And we're talking, uh, you know, it's incredibly troubling to think that, you know, one... You would hope that a conservatorship, the entire goal of it is to care for the person, right? Isn't that the central purpose of it is to make sure that that person is cared for, not that that person becomes a business enterprise themselves to support others. Of course. And to get them healthy and stabilized so they can get back on their own two feet and make their own decisions. Yeah. Finally, uh, that brings us to the year that we're in now. In February of this year, 2021, the documentary Framing Britney Spears premieres on Hulu. Have you seen it? Yes. I found it to be fascinating. And I've got to admit that I am not a person who kind of follows these stories regularly. I generally knew what was going on with her uh, and the conservatorship from the headlines that I would read. But I thought that that, Um, documentary was just so troubling on many levels for a lot of the stuff that we've talked about and just um, how it seems as though she has been denied any effort to fight against this and that she has almost no support for her. 
Right. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. Very sad. Um, because again, once you're labeled from the start of that 5150 and your behavior, it's hard to get out from under that. Yeah. And then the media just feeds it. And, 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 and just to add to that, I see that in courtrooms too. I mean, it, it is hard um, for a courtroom from a criminal aspect to view anyone who walks through their doors and is labeled as a defendant, the people versus whoever, to view that person as anything but a criminal. And, and, and as a criminal defense attorney, a large part of my job is trying to reset that narrative that all day long, DAs and judges see people who come through the doors uh, on this, you know, never ending kind of treadmill. And it's person with a rap sheet a mile long and a person who's committed several different offenses. And it's what they view as criminal, 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 criminal. And all of a sudden you have a person who may have been charged innocently or a misunderstanding and they cannot reset themselves and that narrative. And I imagine that's a large thing that she was being confronted with as well. She's now been labeled as, 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 suffering from dementia or suffering from substance abuse or whatever it is, she's, you know, quote unquote, crazy and can't take care of herself. And therefore any pushback by her or any of her representatives is just uh, uh, almost summarily dismissed. Right. But I mean, the bottom line is the, the responsibility is up to the physician and they're the voice for that patient and they're the advocate. And if that person isn't mentally ill or is stable enough to be on their own, they should be voicing that and fighting that for that patient as the advocate. They shouldn't be just joining the forces of the label and keeping the narrative going. Which is sad because we almost hear nothing about a doctor in this case. Yeah, That's my point. Yeah, interesting. Uh, February of 2021, uh, Spears' attorney, Mr. Samuel Ingham, is reported to saying that it's no secret that my client does not want her father as co-conservator, but we recognize that removal is a separate issue. Um, in April, Brittany, Brittany's attorney requests that he be able to speak to her uh, about the conservatorship at the next hearing. And in June, Brittany delivers testimony of her conservatorship in court. And this really hit uh, the media and the Twitter sphere and everything else with a storm. And there are uh, kind of leaked portions of this statement because the judge had denied any kind of recording devices. Uh, that are making the rounds on the internet and it is revealing to to say the least have you heard any of that yes it is troubling because and i keep on using that word i could wish i could find a better word but that's the only thing that seems to come to mind but she um sounds like someone who has finally been able to speak for the first time in her life that she finally has the opportunity to say what she's been dealing with for the past 13 years of her life. And no one has given her the, the, the platform to do that until right, right then and now. No. She's been talking. This is the first time she's been heard. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, couple of things I wanted to ask you about that she mentions is, first of all, there's this idea that apparently even from the onset of the conservatorship that she had been suffering from dementia. And she says that is false. Could you, Explain to us, first of all, what is what is dementia? I, I think we all generally understand what that word means, but what is it from your perspective as a psychiatrist? Well, dementia is a process that starts slowly within your brain, eating away at the neurons and the neurological connections in your brain so that you start to have deficits, cognitive deficits, where you don't have, you have memory loss, you have you know short-term memory loss or long-term memory loss, or it depends on the type of dementia, it depends on the area of your brain. 
a lot of times and most times it's genetics, but nobody that young really has dementia unless it's a medical issue first that has caused it. You can present yourself like you look like you have dementia at any age, but it's usually called pseudo dementia, which means false dementia. So a depression can look demented, but you've got to take it apart enough to see that it's a depression and it's really just a false presentation of dementia and you really treat the depression. So pseudo dementia is possible, but dementia is highly unlikely. How does dementia present itself? Well, like the typical way we think, an older person starts to forget. They don't eat. They forget to bathe. They don't go where they're supposed to go for an appointment or they get lost on their way to an appointment or driving. Those subtle signs that start to build up over time. Dementia doesn't happen overnight. It's a slow process over time. So using the kind of signs uh, that you just indicated, Brittany, in this statement, says, how could she have dementia, be suffering from this, and still be able to teach all of her dancers the choreography for her shows? Exactly. Or perform every night or do whatever she's done. She doesn't have dementia. No. Uh, The other thing she talks about, and I don't know if this had been reported before, but that she says that she has been prescribed medication against her will, including Luthium, lithium, pardon me, which she calls a very strong drug. My only experience with lithium, not personally, but my only experience with lithium is that it is used in extremely rare cases when you're dealing with somebody who's dealing with incredibly difficult and fundamental mental issues. What it, Help us understand what lithium is and when it would be used. Lithium is a, a mood stabilizer. It's the only true mood stabilizer that it's on the market and it's used mo- mostly for bipolar disorder or manic depression is the other name for it. And so when she shaved her head off, it was such an extreme kind of behavior. Maybe that's what she looked like at that time and was diagnosed. But a lot of times people who are using substances, which is what she was doing also at the time, present that way. And once they sober up, then you can diagnose them. So maybe she was put on it until she sobered up and got stable. But the issue is, was she kept on it? Was she properly diagnosed? she diagnosed while she was sober or was she diagnosed while she was really in an active disease process that she didn't really get a fair shake of a diagnosis. Right. And then none of this, we have the answers to because a lot of these documents are under seal and we're not given access to that. Would somebody be, go ahead. I would, I would venture to say that she probably wasn't properly diagnosed but was placed on meds and kept on meds. And she was just fighting side effects all along, all the time. See, when she said she was on them against her will, if she didn't take them, that only adds to the narrative that there's something wrong with her and she doesn't see the problem within her and she's fighting medicine. So she needs to stay longer and just keeps building on her. Right. It turns on you. Right. What, what, how, what, what are the effects of lithium? Like how does it affect a person's behavior and demeanor? Well, it's a tough drug. I mean, you got to really make sure you're doing blood work before you start it. Blood work regularly every at least two to three months, if not more often, to make sure your kidneys are functioning and processing it. So it's a very toxic drug. And it's not something you use unless you really have a proper diagnosis. Wow. Um, During this same statement, she compares herself uh, to a sex trafficking victim. And I got to say that the more we explore this, uh, I I don't think her analogy is all that off because she's saying how she's being forced to work every single day against her will for the profit of others. Uh, She says, quote, the people who did this to me should not be able to get away with it and walk away easily. 
And she says that she had no idea, and this is something that bothered me, that she could petition the court to end her conservatorship. One of the fundamental things that a lawyer is supposed to do is advise their client of all of the rights that they have, all of the defenses that they have. The fact that she is now telling this court that she, some 12 to 13 years later, had no idea that she could petition to end this conservatorship, something that an average person would not understand. Right. Right. And she is now telling the court that she had never had that any, any idea. Again, I don't, uh, I, I'm not trying to sit here and second guess lawyers and everything else, but that was very troubling to me from a legal perspective right. that she's now saying that for the first time. Yeah. I mean, this poor woman has been failed by her doctor, it seems, her attorneys, all the people that are supporting her around her for their for a primary benefit of working. And I'm sure she was told the more you work, the more you show us you're capable of getting out from under this. Right. But it was the more you work the whole. and the more you earn, right? The right. more money, right? Right. She says it herself. She says, all I want is to own my money and for the is to end and for my boyfriend to be able to effing drive me in his car. And honestly, I want to be able to sue my family. Right. Uh, she requested that she be able to have a lawyer of her choosing and replace Mr. Sam Ingham. This was another aspect of conservatorships that I didn't realize and um, I think is something important for folks to understand is that sometimes, oftentimes it appears, conservators cannot even have the lawyer of their own choosing. This is a constitutional right to right. be able to choose the lawyer of your right. own choosing because that relationship between client and lawyer is so important that you want to be able to trust that person who's next to you, that they're fighting for you and your interests and don't have some other interests at play. Now, I realize that in, in the probate world, um, there might not many, be many folks who are equipped and understand and professional to handle the, the intricacies of that world. But the more you read about this, there appears to be a little bit of this inside baseball uh, universe taking place where you've got judges and lawyers who kind of all operate in the same courtrooms and they're all assigning the same people. And that becomes very disturbing to me when you have a person who, you know, like you've described, she's not to the point where she can't feed herself. Right. She's obviously able to make decisions and operate at a very function at a very high level. Perhaps she's suffering from some substance abuse or medical issues or mental issues that might need oversight. But the fact that she can't even choose her own lawyer, that to me uh, really stuck out and really bothered me, to be honest. Um, I think the same thing was true for her doctor. I mean, I had been asked several times over the past year if I would be willing to step in, but it was not allowed. You personally? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And, and you were restricted from being a part of the case. Right. What was the reason that was provided to you? Well, I think it's they don't want somebody who's going to fight and be her advocate. Pardon me. That's sad. Very sad. Sad and, and disturbing. Um, yeah. Finally, and this is another thing I, I had to ask you about, um, in probably one of the points that has made the most kind of ruckus online is that she says she was not allowed to get married or have another child and that her guardians would not grant her permission to have her IUD removed. She right. says, I truly believe this conservatorship is abusive. Explain to us that 
going to the extent of denying someone the ability to even procreate, is that something that you've ever seen before? Sure. I mean, the power of a conservator is pretty strong. That's why it has to be something done very carefully and monitored very closely. Otherwise, somebody might have ulterior motives and be, you know, running somebody's life. You can Incredible. see why somebody who is being conserved wants to kill themselves sometimes because there's nothing to live for. Have you have you experienced that those situations? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, in fairness, there's been pushback from the Jamie camp, her father, who is um, calling for an investigation into the statements that she made, um, specifically uh, disputing how much control he has in the conservatorship. Um, and uh, in July, she was represented for the first time uh, in this 13-year saga by her own lawyer. And it's enlightening to hear what he said. This is Matthew Rosengard said that the conservatorship probably never was appropriate to begin with and instituted over um, uh, Ms. Spears in the first place. Um, and he said in regards to Jamie Spears that if he loves his daughter, it's time to step aside so Ms. Spears can move forward to a healthy, productive life. Have you ever inv been involved with someone not being able to remove a conservator? Yes, because if you have a team around this person being conserved, they're all going to say they're not capable. And after a certain point, somebody gets beaten down, they just give up, and then they look on incapable. If you have the team there standing all united saying there's something wrong, there's something wrong, don't believe them. They're going to not believe them. What about this idea of independent conservators? What are those? Well, people who have no, they're not related. They're not, there's no vested interest. They're a court appointed total strangers. And that's probably a better position for somebody, especially like her, than it's not incestuous and it doesn't cross boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have the conservator that say what you will about her ability to care for herself, but when she's obviously got great issues with the person who's actually running her life. Exactly. You, right. You can't imagine why a court would push back against that. Right. Well, because you have a doctor who's basically saying, you know, she's not stable. Believe him. Don't believe her, basically. And the courts just do it. Well, and you see her behavior. So that behavior backs up what the, what's being told. It's hard. Yeah. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like a sabotage. Um, lastly, in August, uh, Mr. Rosengard, again, in, uh, uh, in speaking with the Superior Court Judge Brenda Penny, um, in requesting to replace Mr. Spears, Jamie Spears, as the conservator, said that she continues, speaking of Brit Brittany, to suffer ongoing harm each day that Mr. Spears remains in place as the conservator of the estate, emotionally, psychologically, and financially. Um, hard, hard to argue against why those would be compelling reasons to remove Mr. Spears. Right. Finally, uh, some concluding facts to, to be aware of. Um, According to court documents, Brittany has been limited to a $2,000 a week allowance, no matter what kind of money she makes. Um, she is producing millions of dollars, supporting a, a literal enterprise of folks, and she's limited to $2,000 a week. Uh, it, 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 I, it, I'm, I guess I'm kind of speechless because, again, I don't know how that yeah. works towards her benefit. 
Well, they think it does. The people around her making those decisions because it's a control. It's an issue of control. And yeah. they have the power to control. Yeah. And so they do it at her it's detriment. It's really fascinating and disturbing to see how you can be swept in this whole kind of vortex of the court system and and it, it, it continues to strip your rights and there's very little fighting back that you can do about it. Right. And, and the more frustrated you get and act out, the worse it is for you because you keep labeling yourself. And being frustrated and acting out is the natural response to having these types of rights exactly. and privileges stripped away from right. you. Yeah. That's why it's catch-22. Right. Um, it's reported that she wasn't allowed to use a cell phone, that she's not allowed to drive, that she uh, has been interested in retiring from performing, but believe that the conservatorship would preclude that. Uh, and most recently, she shared on Instagram, and this is just sad, that for the first time, she was allowed to have an iPad, even though her kids has had them. Right. Very sad. Just every aspect of her life. is controlled. Uh, yeah. Well, the uh, next hearing on this is September 29th, and so we'll be watching very closely, and I'm sure checking in again on what takes place there. It's, it's certainly a case that has garnered a tremendous amount of media attention, as well as a great amount of passion from fran uh, fans. In fact, um, in late reports, uh, it's coming out that the judge in this case, Brenda Penny, has been receiving death threats following her most recent decision to not immediately remove Jamie as the conservator and that the LA uh, Sheriff's Department is continuing to monitor that situation. Um, I'd like to talk for a second about other kind of famous conservatorships that uh, maybe you're aware of and give us can kind of some understanding of, but one that comes to mind uh, is of the, the controversial conservatorship of Mr. Kamal Amin, we know him as Casey Kasem. He was a radio personality, disc jockey, and, and famously the voice of Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. Were you aware of that case or did you follow it? Yes, yes. Um, he was diagnosed uh, first with Parkinson's disease and later on with Lou body disease in 2007. And then in 2013, he became critically ill, unable to speak, and soon um, became a conservative. And his condition continued to deteriorate to the point that he suffered dementia and was unable to care for himself and make any kind of decisions. Now, this is more typical of what we would expect for a conservatorship to be put in place, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, but prior to his actual diagnosis, his second wife, Jean, stopped allowing his three children to see their father. And this prompted the eldest daughter, Julie, to seek a court order naming her and her husband as the conservators. Um, Jean's further isolation from, from her father caused the other daughter, Carrie, to try to obtain a conservatorship over her father. Uh, and this um, apparently prompted uh, Jean to move Casey out of his medical care facility in the middle of the night and take him to an undisclosed location. And I remember when this was happening, it was tremendous, the kind of, uh, I mean, it was a kidnapping, essentially, of this poor man who couldn't take uh, care of himself. And this prompted a, a nationwide search. Family and friends were worried. And several days later, he was found in uh, Washington State. Um, your thoughts on all of that? Well, it's sad because, as you see, somebody who obviously can't take care of themselves in either case that we talk about ends up not being taken care of. Right. 
or taken complete advantage of, especially when you're dealing with someone who has a tremendous estate or resources or anything else. Right. Right. But this happens in everyday life for many people. Somebody just takes control and power over somebody and whatever resources they have, they want to run them. Wow. And they lose track of the focus of why you got a conservatorship to make sure the person is safe and stable. Well, uh, the response to all of this has created a groundswell kind of movement. First, there's the hashtag Free Britney movement becoming very vocal. But even uh, uh, lawmakers, it's caught in their attention. Uh, Here in California, the legislature introduced um, Assembly Bill 1194, which would create uh, registration requirements for conservators, something that I didn't know didn't already exist, strengthen laws to revoke conservators' rights, and um, making sure that they're acting in the best interests of their clients. How much, in your experience, oversight of these conservators exists at this point? Uh, not, not enough, obviously, I would tell you. Um, I think that they need, they're usually about a year long, is what they're given, but they really should have regular oversight where they have reporting back at least over that year where things are checked in, but it's, you know, I don't think that happens. And that's the problem. They yeah. get free reign and the courts are so overwhelmed, especially now with this pandemic that the oversight is even less, but they should have tighter oversight because you have somebody's life in your hands that you're giving that power to somebody to make decisions of somebody's life, health, everything. It's hard to imagine a more, uh, uh, kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a d- dynamically different power uh, situation where you have a, somebody controlling someone's life entirely. You would think that would be an aspect of the law that we would want as heavily kind of oversighted as possible. But see, unfortunately, it's it's given under the the guise of their ill, phys- mentally or physically. And that's not going to heal right away. So they take the oversight and they place it somewhere else after they give the power. But really, you should be watching that on a regular basis because most people get better quicker than you would think. Most of this is a temporary situation for some folks. Absolutely. Unless it's like a long term thing, like a dementia in an older person and just to get them comfortable to lay pass or whatever the end is going to be. But in a young person, it should pass. It should be temporary. Unless it's a real medical problem. Right. A, a medical problem that they may have suffered since birth. And that right. now that they're or 17 years old, turning 18, we don't exactly want them being a full-fledged, you know, right. able to make right. all these decisions. Right. Um, or but, a medical problem from an accident or something like that, or a developmental problem. Right. But this but in between... I'm sorry. It doesn't mean every right has to be taken away. Give them the rights that they have strengths to handle. And then the other stuff just have oversight for it. But not everything has to be taken. That's an interesting point, too. Why Why was she under the kind of oversight to the extent that she was? I mean, well, it, it looks like there wasn't way. an aspect of her life that wasn't under her under somebody else's control. Because she presented as a 5150, danger to herself or others, or gravely disabled. And she stayed labeled that way. Incredible. For 13 she couldn't years. get out. Yeah, she couldn't get out from under it. And then when she would act out, it only added to it. Wow. Well, on the federal level, there's the Freedom and Right to Emancipate from Exploitation Act, or the Free Act that has been proposed, which would, again, give people the right to petition a court to have their private guardian or conservator legally replaced by a public guardian. This is somebody that we've talked about, somebody who's objective, uninvolved, 
doesn't have any kind of interest in the whole thing. And this has gained a, a, a tremendous a broad partisan support. Um, in fact, 15 lawmakers, both Democrats and Republicans, have signed on. The topic is obviously uh, very nuanced, complicated, and certainly something that is not going to be solved quickly. But unfortunately, that is our show for the week. So, Dr. Sophie, I thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Where can people find out more about you? Social media, www.drsophie.com. Anywhere. Just Google my name. Fantastic. And I'm your host, Josh Ritter. You can find me on Instagram at Joshua Ritter ESQ. And as always, you can find our content on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube, as well as to get updates and subscribe to our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. Thank you for joining us at The Sidewalk.